0: Just like last week, I mentioned my my parents are still here in town. So, you know, you always have to embarrass them a little. So, Mom, Dad, can you raise your hand just for a second there? They're right over here. So, (laughs) hey, (laughs) I feel the same way. Uh, And one other note, too, I just wanted to say is that uh, our seminarian from the the summer, Justin, is uh, on a silent retreat this week. So if, um, if while you're praying, if you would pray for Justin while he was on a silent retreat, I know he asked me to pray for him. So if you can also do the same, I'm sure he'd really appreciate it. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. In the current day, people have kind of an extremely broad view of religion, and many would look at us as Catholics as kind of being old school or archaic, And there's been this sort of popular notion that goes something like this. Why do I have to go to church? I can worship God at home. And although a person can pray at home, can contemplate God at home, they're completely missing the point. And I think many of you know this all too well since you've been forced to be at home so much more, just how much more important what I'm about to say really is. The point being that worship and the church are one. And they're meant to be shared in a community. One of St. Paul's most common blessings in his letters is, the God of peace be with all of you. And he promises the Philippians that the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's the God of peace who gathers the Christian community together. And since Christ himself is our peace, the life of the church is has to be marked by a continual search for peace and unity. And not peace and unity as some kind of like vague utopian ideal or something like that out there in the future, but peace and unity as the full realization here and now, as the deepest identity of the church, as the body of Christ, as the body of his believers. Some try to go alone, but they're on the wrong track. I remember in college I took a literature class from a wonderful professor who was a Henry David Thoreau scholar. And I really enjoyed what Thoreau had to say back then. And, and one day our professor told us a story that on Thoreau's deathbed, his mother said to him, have you made your peace with God? And he replied, I wasn't aware, aware that we ever quarreled. He was kind of a witty, witty fellow. And on another occasion, a friend told him that you, know, you can't do everything on your own. And he gave him the example of trying to stand up a pencil by itself. He said it will only fall down. But if you bundle a number of pencils together, then they'll stand up. To which again, Thoreau cleverly and sarcastically replied, but if you look closely, all the pencils on the outside are leaning against the one in the middle. This kind of rugged individualism that that Thoreau displayed, it it exists in society, society a lot. And it's not from God. It's from the ruler of the world. If Thoreau had only identified the pencil at the center as Christ, he would have completely transformed his thought and his life. As I thought and I prayed about these things, I was reminded of a story that happened to me over 10 years ago now. I was with two friends of mine, uh, Jessica and Jonathan, and we were headed towards Bend to to Smith Rock. We weren't going to climb that day because it was kind of a wintry day but uh, on our way we wanted to check out another climbing area and it was snowing and so we drove down a steep hill into the valley but then we quickly realized that john's two-wheel drive vehicle probably was not going to get back up the hill that we were going down so we turned around but of course it was too late (laughs) and so the car's tires just spun as we gradually slid back down to the bottom of the hill so we went further back into the valley and uh, hope to get on some flatter terrain. You know, all these things you're just trying. Oh, let's get a run at it and see if we can get going. And so we charged the hill only to get a quarter of the way up the hill and then slide all the way back down. And then something amazing happened. We stopped. We put our heads together. We looked at our resources. And we thought we had a Frisbee, a reusable shopping bag, and each other. And so over the course of three hours, we used the Frisbee to dig up some frozen soil on the side of the road and filled up the bag. We would then sprinkle the dirt in front of each tire in a straight track for about 75 feet. Then Jonathan would get in the driver's seat behind the wheel, and Jess and I would get behind the car and push, and amazingly, it worked, you know, like clockwork, (laughs) and very few words were said as we just dug with the Frisbee, filled the bag with dirt, then sprinkled down the tracks in front of the tires. And then pushed after at least three hours of effort we got to the top of the hill and we're safely out of the valley I tell this story because it's always struck stuck in my memory just how amazingly well that we cooperated together that day and just because we were working towards a common goal we were like we've got to figure this out each one of us had a task each one of us had our own unique gifts and talents But there would have been nothing without our willingness to cooperate with each other. St. Paul said in our second reading, Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no evil to the neighbor. Hence, love is the fulfillment of the law. That's why there's so much emphasis put on brothers reconciling one another. So brothers and sisters in the church need to make efforts to get along with one another. It's not going to be perfect. We're not going to always get along famously with everybody. And some people we actually branch out with and become quite good friends. But it really is important that we actually make an effort to reconcile and live in harmony with our brothers and sisters inside the church. This great effort to keep relationship intact seeks to bond friendship to the truth, to God himself, which then binds them to the church. This is, this is one way that we kind of eradicate selfishness in our lives, uh, not building ourselves up, but building up the kingdom of God by inviting people into the church and preaching the gospel and baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, getting up that hill was a necessity the day my friends and I got stuck And it was immediately important that we figured out how to solve our problem. But the more important situation that we need to solve is concerning the ultimate end of our life, being oriented towards God in heaven. In the same way that Jess and Jonathan and I work together to help one another as a community, we can also work with each other towards the common goal to get to heaven. I heard another story, oddly enough, during one of my theology classes, Uh, about Formula One racing, specifically about the McLaren Formula One racing team that kind of helps to illustrate this point. One of the most important parts of F1 racing is how fast the pit crew can change the tires and then sometimes refuel the vehicle. McLaren's racing crew had pit stops that were too slow. So they hired a coach and he was actually an expert in the athletic field to help them analyze their performance what he discovered as the limiting factor for the pit crew was their gaze, their sight. the speed and the success of the crew had everything to do with what they were looking at, what they were focused on. And they were wasting too much time looking at things they didn't need to look at. Once each individual of the team figured out how to focus on the task at hand and orienting their gaze at precisely that task without taking their eyes off the goal, They went from a 4.5 second average pit stop, which to a guy that doesn't follow racing too much sounds pretty darn fast already, to the fastest pit stop ever recorded in Formula One racing at 2.3 seconds. Our spiritual life, oddly enough, is a lot like this. There are millions of different things in the world vying for our attention. I sort of say it like this to myself, too many shiny objects in too little time. But if we truly desire to be ultimately happy and want to experience happiness beyond our wildest imaginations, even here on earth before we get to heaven, we must fix our gaze upon Jesus Christ. What happens when you gather people together that have this desire all in the same place? You have this, what we're looking at right now, with gazes fixed on God. God sends his spirit into us and supercharges our abilities. And although we all have different abilities and capabilities, it's in working together by contributing to the church that transforms the entire body of believers. With our God-given gifts and our eyes fixed on Christ, this is what allows us to be who we truly are, the best versions of ourselves as sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. Jesus says in the gospel today, Amen, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, amen, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything for which they are to pray, it shall be granted to them by my heavenly Father. Jesus sends the disciples and gives them the the authority to forgive our sins. This authority is passed on to priests of the current day. So we cannot just stay at home and pray. Because Jesus sends us out. He sent us out armed with the fire of the Holy Spirit. So we can work through and with the church. We need the church to forgive our sins. We need the church to combine the great gifts we've been given. While it heals our wounds. And supercharges our efforts. So we can help save all of those that desire salvation. God bless you all today.